0: For Newcastle fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. Never miss a match with live commentary, goal alerts, lineups, in game stats, and TV and radio links for over 100 leagues globally. Download the free Toon Army app now from the App Store and Google Play.
1: Hello. Monkey, my yeah, Miggy, he from Paraguay. Yeah. Hey, Miggy, hey. Miggy, I'm a run, Miggy, Miggy, I'm a
2: run, on the run. Hey, i run, Miggy, I'm a run, lot hey, hey. of fun. I woke up this morning with some random misses, heavy ass soul and even heavier drinker. Looking through me phone, don't wanna frame those pictures. Then it hit me like a lightning, like it's game day, bitches. I kicked the missus out, or the other way around. Actually, she kicked herself out when she drank my rum.
3: Welcome back to CHN Radio.
4: This is your loved
3: West Brom recap. I'm your host, Greg Troxel. Newcastle won two in a row for the first time this season. That's an early stat for you. Just a, a little biscuit to get you started from this entree of an episode we're about to bring you. To uh, bring the best damn Coles in the landing. Because not only did he predict what was going to happen pretty much to a team, uh but it, it happened. So we have to celebrate it. So
4: here is the best damn co in the land, Elijah Toonson. They call me Nostra Negro now. That's what my new name is. <laughs> oh, yeah. And I'll be excited to be back here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the only black and white podcast. At, the,
3: the, at actually, the only one. It's true. Only um, true one.
4: <laughs> I'm, I'm not pumped out, to be here. That
3: we're calling out you, the everything is black and white podcast, because I don't believe yep. everything is. It's like not.
4: It's... It's actually everything is white and white on that podcast, <laughs> if we're being honest. yeah. Uh, but yeah, I'm super stoked to be here. Um, hey, shout out to Twitter support for saying CHN underscore podcast is under the age of 13, yeah. which again is true. Yeah. Like the actual podcast network is not 13 years old, but everyone involved with this this whole shebang, we're all well over the age of 13. Um, so shout out to Twitter. So that account has been suspended as you guys may have noticed with the three words tweet coming from the coming of Newcastle account. So uh, follow the coming of Newcastle account at coming on NUFC, follow your boy at Elijah underscore Newsome and follow at NUFC underscore Greg, because he has to tweet from his account on match day what he would <laughs> normally tweet from at CHN underscore podcasts. And maybe one day we'll get that back. Everyone just tweet at Twitter support and we'll see who, who our loyal following actually is.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm with that. Let's do it. Mm. Uh, so it was a great day in Newcastle. We we won again. Uh, Five thirty eight was right. Elijah Newsom was right. It's Fantastic. Um, and we're going to talk all about that. We're also going to preview Leeds. No news on this one. You'll get that later in the week. Um, we'll do later in the week. We'll do a Leeds recap, a news, and then a Fulham preview. Uh, but let's let's get into it. We're, we'll. We always start with three words, and after every match, uh, we ask you to describe from our CHN radio, our CHN podcast account, uh, but that doesn't exist right now. So we did it on the main account, the website account, at Coming Home UFC. So we ask you to, to describe three words, or sorry, to choose three words to describe the match, and uh, you always deliver. So Elijah's going to take this one. Go ahead, bro.
4: Oh, before I begin, special shout out to our boy Eric, who of course you may remember from our Beyond the Tune mm-hmm. segment during International Break. Our boy is engaged and his fiance Ooh. got them these dope, it's on the main account, these dope matching uh, like Newcastle jerseys that say like their name in like 20 and then one says 22. It's pretty sick because their wedding's in 2022. So Shout out to Eric, because that yeah. that's the coolest shit I've seen all day. So I don't know. It's it's sick. Um so yeah, shout out to him for that. Um, but in other news, um three words. Uh and um okay, here we go.
0: <laughs> I I clicked
4: to see the 2022 thing again. So now I'm Hi. back. Eric Schmidt, first one blood pressure high, fair. Yeah. Uh, Natasha at Natasha UFC. Absolutely fucking exhausting. Okay, um, I should have maybe bleeped that one out. No, no, no. Uh, we can
3: be explicit now.
4: Oh, okay. Yeah, we don't have a boss, so. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Scotty, I'm not gonna read his at because it's at Scotty with a bunch of numbers, but um, you can find him. He's the guy underneath our tweet with <laughs> a uh, with with just a picture of a military uniform. No, no face, just a picture of a military uniform, uh, and he says shit in defense. Um, and moving on got a couple of people who quote tweeted so shout out to them uh speedy at politics ne uh says about bloody time uh and then we've got another one john kelly at jk sud 17 did six words which is against the rules but he did two sets of three words he said fluked it again and said contract time dwight question mark which we can talk about that i feel like yes duh. i think we've already discussed this on the pod multiple times you uh-huh. re-signed dwight gale because that the worst thing that can happen is that you have to sell dwight gale for 15 million pounds oh no um don says at Smick ultra did the job mr steal your worldwide at uh-huh. yo underscore ho underscore no underscore mo he said gale's good now what uh which i mean he's been good since project restart i guess uh, Tune Army Portland at Tune Army PDX. West Brom rejects Tune Army Denver. Mahab Magpies nineteen ninety eight. I don't understand that one, so maybe you'll have to look that up. It just says nineteen ninety eight. Um, Mouth of the Tine says same old Bruce. Nufc blog says another ugly win. Malik underscore Nufc says another undeserved victory. <laughs> James Whitmore gale force header. Great. Andy Smiles says Gail. Great goal. Matt Wheeler says, God bless subs. That's a good one. Brian Gardner says, I like winning Steven squirrel, which that cannot be his name. Steven squirrel, big three points. Kez says painful three points. Tune says plain B worked and Craig Meldrum says absolute shocking football. <laughs> so I, I would say a fairly mixed bag of three words like there were some positives. There were some negatives, and there was some same old. What the hell is Steve Bruce doing? Uh, three words in there.
3: Yeah, we're going to talk a lot about Steve Bruce. I think towards the end of this one, because um, there's some things that are going to need to be said, uh, whether people want to hear them or not. So let's
0: let's get into it.
3: We'll start with the lineup as we always do, uh, and this was the. Probably the most important thing. If you were following us at Coming Home NUFC, you would have known that uh, Elijah tweeted out some ideas from the U23s uh, because it was definitely a different lineup on the U23 front. And uh, one of the things that we said was Dan Langley, U23 goalkeeper, 19. uh, He didn't appear, and he's an everyday starter. So there's two options. He either had COVID or he's going to be in the lineup somehow. Sure enough, we know. Now, Carl Dollar wasn't affected. He started. Dan Langley was the backup. So it seems like uh, Gillespie was affected, unfortunately. Uh, the rest of the starting lineup, Emil Kraft, Isaac Hayden, Kieran Clark, Jamal Laselle. Uh, wow, Jamal Laselles, uh, Jamal Lewis, John <laughs> uh, Joe Shelby, and then Sean Longstaff, Matt Ritchie, Miguel Amaron, Joel Linton, and Callum Wilson. On the bench, Dan Langley, Maddie Longstaff, Andy Carroll, Dwight Gale, Hendrick. Yedlin, what's up, Yeti? And then Jacob Murphy. Uh, Elijah, what were your initial thoughts seeing this?
4: Yeah, I think the first thing was um, I was honestly like, F the haters, I was right. People were like coming from my throat being like, no way Dan Langley starts. We have Darlow and Gillespie and Dubrovka. And I was like, first and foremost, I just said he'd be in the lineup. That That's not the starting lineup. It's just like the, the amount of people that she's going to be on the team sheet. Like, that's it. That's all I said. And – it was, it was correct. Shout out to Greg who called me and told me to make that tweet. So shout out to Greg. Um, I never once hinted at him starting. And also like Martin Dubrovka is not, he's, he's, I don't think he's fit. Like if I haven't he was, seen him in, be in the
3: lineup.
4: He absolutely would be in
3: the lineup if he's fit.
4: Yeah. Like no I, I don't asked. think he's, he's not, I don't think he's fit. So that's a whole other thing. Um. Anyway, uh, I think the first thing that was that I noticed was you, we had twelve players, um, who we lost to COVID, mm-hmm. in total. Isaac Hayden, we know, is one of them because Steve Bruce revealed that, and it was he, he was hit that. hard. So, yeah, uh, he was hit he was hard in the, in the bed for ten days. It's true. He almost went to the hospital. Like it was big. Is Isaac Hayden, Freddie Freeman, uh, both Freddie champions Freeman. of COVID COVID nineteen? Yeah.
3: Oh, I, I thought you were supposed to name like a, a Newcastle player here.
4: I was like, oh, can you tell me about Freddie Freeman, the the Newcastle player? No, I'm just saying two champions of COVID for teams I support. Uh, and well, we one have, was the MVP. So maybe Isaac Kane will win Premier League Player of the Season. Well, he definitely you definitely know, got that, in the match. Yeah. Like, um, um, but yeah, so – uh, you could easily see that like defense was hit hard out of those eleven. Like it was pretty much every Newcastle center back was on that list. So you can already say likely Lacelles Like of course he came off injured, but it appears like Lascelles is usually back relatively quickly if he comes off injury uh, unless it's something serious. And we would have known about it. Steve Bruce would have said something about it. Share obviously affected, um, and Fernandez um, obviously. And people were saying like after seeing this lineup that, oh, we shouldn't have blown out Lejeune? Yeah, okay. i was glad okay. Every single this. center back except for one got COVID. Like, I don't think having Lejeune would have made a difference because, like, chances are he would have had COVID. Him okay. or Kieran Clark, we would have been in the same situation. So there's that. I think the question for me in the lineup graphic kind of alluded to Isaac Caden starting center back was honestly who was going to start because we've seen Isaac Caden play right back, and he's done it well. We've seen Emile Kraft play center back, and he's done it competently enough especially against lower sort of opposition yeah. so it kind of was like a toss up to me who was going to play center back but uh isaac hayden did everything else outside of that was was very normal for the lineup uh asm not in the lineup again not really super surprising but yeah. having uh Almarone in there that's ob- obviously a plus joel linton and Kyle wilson together that's obviously a plus um you know so nothing crazy long stuff in the midfield it's nice to see him Showing an effort on defense and stuff now—that's that's cool. Shout out to him for that. Yeah, uh, it
3: also shows you uh, Saive and Lazar and Atu are very far away from this lineup, or they got COVID—one of the two. Uh,
4: also, well, they can't technically play because they weren't named to the Premier League roster. And is that true? I know teenagers.
3: we we questioned that in the last pod. I don't know if that's true or not.
4: I think that it is true. I mean, you could make like a COVID Langley was.
3: Oh, Langley is was given a squad. Yeah.
4: And and my prediction is, I think they definitely got COVID from Elliot Anderson. I think Elliot Anderson got it. That, and that was Elliot Anderson was floating between the first team and U twenty threes and training. And people were like, oh, everyone's training separate. I was like, Elliot Anderson's been training with the first team. This is confirmed. Yeah. Like, I know Newcastle has separated U twenty three and first team training, but we know Elliot Anderson has been floating between the two. Well, and, yeah, and everyone was excited
3: that Elliot Anderson wasn't named in the U twenty three lineup. And, and like like you said on Twitter, and I, I said, it's like it means one of two things. One, he's going to be in the lineup, or two, he had COVID. That's it. And unfortunately, it was the bad option of those two.
4: Yeah. Um. It yeah. would also be a very Newcastle thing to say that we had 11 players get COVID, like 11 first-teamers, and five of them be players who are not actually first-teamers. Just like wow. – Saive Lazard, like Elliot, <laughs> it'd be funny. Dummett's got it. Like,
3: <laughs> um, a little stat here this was the first time Federico Fernandez was not in Newcastle's lineup in the Premier League since October 27th, 2019. That's crazy, been almost a, uh, over a year since he wasn't for us, and then uh, I uh, one thing to absolutely mention is, and we haven't mentioned it on the podcast yet, but uh, before the match, Newcastle did a tribute to Martin Lorimer. Um, and if you may, if you're not on Twitter, if you're on Newcastle Twitter, you probably saw this. It's a really sad story. But uh, Martin Lorimer is a, a Newcastle supporter, uh, and he uh, passed away suddenly, and the Newcastle count uh, has, was very proactive and trying to get a hold of Martin when he was missing. Uh, and even our captain Lascelles, tried to reach out and DM'd him personally, the club DM'd him. Uh, and they tweeted a win today for Martin and anybody else out there that is struggling for, with their mental health, please reach out. You are not alone. Hashtag it's okay not to be okay. Uh, so just wanted to do a little tribute. It's like extremely devastating story. And, uh, and it goes for, just to say for Elijah or myself, uh, like we don't have a massive platform and it doesn't matter because like if you're listening and you are going through anything, like our DMs are open and well, I'm assuming Elijah, um, that ears are open, but uh, we absolutely are here and I, and I hope many more people will open their arms, but please reach out if, I, if you want to talk. We're always here. So Yeah.
4: Oh, wait, real quick. do you yeah. want to also say one more thing regarding that. Um, also, it was kind of I was just following this from afar. It was also pretty clear that the club was doing, as Greg alluded to, everything they possibly could to also honor him. Like I know there was talks of uh, they were really open and honest with fans about the real like the the possibility of getting a patch and stuff for him. And they were saying, Hey, we can't do that because you have to apply for that and all this kind of stuff with the prim and blah, blah, blah. Cause you're altering uniform. Uh, but they did show his, his, his picture um, on the, the big screen during the match. So just like going above and beyond and like, not like, I don't know, not to like take away from this moment, but I also want to just point out the fact that it does seem like Newcastle as a whole I'm not going to correlate this to the takeover, but in the past year has done a much better job of engaging with fans um, than they ever have before. I mean, like in terms of just purely, just like things that we don't usually get, we're getting a lot more player focused content Um, last season. It started with the individual videos with every player asking them about like, you know, other players or, you know, like things we just never got before the behind the scenes stuff that we're getting now. And then, They're doing stuff, Zoom Army, which is just a really cool concept where they're having fans submit questions for players and they're featuring different players each week and things like this, where they're directly communicating with fans and collaborating with them. Uh, So, like, that's just that's nice to see, especially after years and years of completely just being just treating the fans like second class citizens. It's nice to see the club taking a step in the right direction.
3: Yeah. All right. Let's get right into it. And. That is exactly what newcastle did folks uh we're gonna we're gonna add in just like we did last win which is our last match let's let's listen to the first goal
1: the players take a knee and now they're back up and West Bromwich Albion start the match here on BBC Radio Newcastle and NUFC TV. Newcastle United going from right to left, attacking the goal at the Lees's end and having got the ball back, a pass downfields let Wilson in and Joe Linton into the box, plays it across, big chance early on. What a start for Newcastle, 19 seconds on the clock and Miguel Almiron has scored left-footed shot right side of the penalty area back across Sam Johnston and in created by good work from Wilson and then Joel Linton with the final pass but Almirón with the goal in the first minute it's Newcastle United 1 West Bromwich Albion nil
3: it was an amazing start for Newcastle as you just heard uh Newcastle and, and well Joelinton again showing why he may we may have found his position by the way, uh, well at least in the first half we can get. into Oh, that we later. did, uh, but I think this is his best position. I think we found it. Uh, he linked up very well. Him and Callum are starting to get this chemistry, and he linked up well with him. He looked to his right. He saw Miguel Almiron, uh running with like absolutely like a cow alone in a passer, just way faster than the cow. Um and he actually put a really awesome pass to this. There's a defender in the way and he outside foots it and it's perfect. It's a beautiful pass. Almirón comes up to it, curls it into the corner. Bam, one nothing. What's your take, Elijah?
4: I I almost missed the call. Like that was my take. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> it was like, uh, we got Peacock over here on, the, on in, in, the, the in the state. Shout out to the cock. Yeah, the cock. Uh, and so sometimes it takes a, a second for them to get the match going. And later, like, as they were kicking off on the Peacock, that's when – wow, voice crack. That's when my Twitter started exploding with McGonagall. And, and, like, uh, evidently for everyone else who was on a delay, it was, it was also insane. Uh, 19 seconds, is that the final number for that guy? Yeah.
3: Nineteen point two or something like that was the final, uh, which is the second fastest goal in Newcastle United Premier League history, by Miguel Almiron, assisted by Jolington, just like we all expected.
4: But also, kind of like what I was alluding to when we were doing our like season preview with false nines, um, just like in terms of like top score, and I wrote this as well. I specifically mentioned that hopefully just the threat of a Callum Wilson being up top and potentially Joe Linton having a better season will just create more. And I also I think it's the Callum Wilson and Alan St. Max but this kind of applies. Like defenders were totally clued in on Callum Wilson there. And just like that was the only thing that they were worried about. And again, West Brom defense is not great, but Callum Wilson is, is definitely someone who it's now getting to a point where Callum is now opening up opportunities for other players, which mm-hmm. is also great. Which means, like, we may not see Colin Wilson score seven goals in 14 matches or whatever the hell his number is. I don't even think we've played that many matches, but we will definitely see, like, new count. We'll see more Alan Tay goals. We'll see more Joel Linton goals. We'll see more Miguel Almeron goals. And maybe Colin Wilson finishes with only like 10 or 11 goals when he was pacing for 25 goal season. But we're going to see, like, Almeron. Alan A. Maxman get closer to that 10 goal mark than we've probably ever seen a Newcastle secondary kind of attacker ever get. Yeah,
0: because there's yeah. just
4: so there's like there's like Callum Wilson's such a threat that like guys are just wide open. It's it's actually insane. Like Joel yeah. Linton's goal was kind of like that too, where it's like there was so much focus on Callum Wilson, all you had to do is flick it on for Joel Linton and he's yeah. one v1. Yeah,
3: exactly. I uh, could uh Callum could totally have a rondon type year with like Potentially ten plus goals and assists, uh, yeah. both. Uh, so yeah, that would be cool. Uh, but yeah, it was it was a very good first half. And we're, I'm I don't have like a ton of notes on this one. And, and because we're also previewing another match, we can kind of s- speed through and just get the big ones. But like the for the first like I don't know thirty minutes or so, it was a Newcastle dominant performance, and there was plenty of opportunities to score. Uh, we should have been up more than one, uh, but it like. We were attacking with like a plan, which is not something I, I can really say about Newcastle or remember saying. And Almiron, Jolinton and Callum were like on the same page and the mid midfielders were like getting the ball to them immediately. And then they were just like absolutely wreaking havoc on West Brom's bad. I'll bad back line, but they were doing what they were supposed to do. Like what we expected them to do. Uh, and, yeah, it was. It's just a really good start by Newcastle. Um, we got to halftime, and uh, let me let me just think. Was there any like big, massive chances that we need to talk about in the first half?
4: I should. I can't I remember taken... if that Joel Linton chance happened in the first half or not, where he cut back in front of the keeper, like he beat it the defender. Oh finger, yeah, cut yeah back, he, it he cut it back, and he he could have laid it off for like two players but also like he took the shot and it's just like again it's a weird you damn if you do if you damn you don't kind of situation because joel linton's been slagged for not being greedy enough in front of goal like you know i believe the cup match earlier this season where like he thought that someone had scored and he just like didn't touch the ball either he thought it was offside or whatever but Mm -hmm. like or he'll pass instead of shoot in certain situations. But then in this situation, he decides to shoot and everyone's like, damn, you should have passed it. So it's like, I don't know, damn if you do, damn if you don't, but I don't know. I wouldn't get too bogged down on it. And it ultimately like people were mad in the moment, but because Newcastle won, it's not a big deal. I can't remember if that happened in the first half. I'm pretty sure Miguel Amron's chance where he kind of was pushed off the ball, like he couldn't really get it back onto his dominant foot, like a lot of space being taken away. I think that was early second half as well. So, I think that's it for the first half.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Second half started
4: and it, like, we definitely dropped. Uh, Newcastle
3: weren't playing as intense as we were. We weren't pressing. We weren't really taking advantage of the attacking side of things. Um, we almost gave away a quick goal to West Brom at the start of the second half. I was on the back post. Um, uh, I can't remember names. I should, I usually take really good notes and I'm not doing well today or from this one. But, um, it just wasn't good, and the whole second half was kind of uh, like that, to be honest. In, until a certain substitute happened, but um, Newcastle. What, one thing I did notice: is it took twenty, sorry, nineteen minutes in the second half before Jolington had his first touch. That's not good. That's that's tails you have there, so you can't have that happen. Uh, we were absolutely getting bossed in the midfield. I remember tweeting incessantly about how terrible uh, one, Jamal Lewis was. Uh, we'll get to that. And then uh, two, John Judge Shelby was. Oh, my gosh. It was insufferable watching him try to run up. He, he's not fit. He's not fit. He cannot keep up. There's no way after
4: seeing that. Did, did you notice this at all? He's completely. Out of uh, I would say I, I, I noticed that the whole team definitely, like, was feeling the effects of not having in-person training for a week. Like I, you could tell that like, they had not been training like in person doing like some of the, 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 like, it's just different. Like any athlete knows, like as much as you want to do, like working out, like at home, like treadmill, jumping jacks, whatever you want to do to keep yourself kind of in shape. It's nothing compared to like physically going outside, being on the pitch, running spreading etc cetera, etc cetera. and you could kind of tell like the whole team was sluggish coming out yeah. of the half and they did need an of pace John Joe Shelby I mean I don't know I mean he's I don't know I just I wish there were way more stats like in I, f- I like, like the NBA you can you can like you can te- like you can literally say like Trey Young is a lazy defender and it's like the stats back it up. Like every advanced metric shows that Trey young is not a good defender. And then you watch him, like, Oh, well, he's lazy. James Harden, same thing. Like, well, but in, in Premier League, we haven't gotten to that point in, in soccer where it's like, you can literally pretty much break down like how good or bad someone is in defense or how like pretty much how much effort they're putting in. Like we haven't gotten there yet. So it's just really tough because there's, it's all eye tests and you're biased. Yeah. If like, it's always going to be a bias, like, we don't really love John Joe Shelby. And so we're always going to see like him not working hard, but he has his moments, but overall it's like, I feel like it's safe to say that he's not the hardest working defender, but there's no proof to back that up at all. Like just, just none. Like you can maybe go tackles per 90, but I don't know. Like, yeah. Uh,
3: So it, it only took five minutes for West Brom to turn this thing up. Um, and we were given more of a whole first or second half synopsis, but to, just to get to the goal is Matt Phillips, who, um, who made got, got clear and made some space and he put over a cross from the left-hand side. And it was, it seemed like nothing was going to happen, but Lewis had zero awareness. Uh, he took it like a kind of a step back and it looked like he was just going to play the ball low. And then, but he had no idea that Darnell Furlong was behind him and Darnell Sprinted towards the ball and got his foot in, and it was an amazing finish. Uh, puts it past Carl and and was just lackadaisical, a lack of awareness defending for Jamal Lewis is re- very bad luck. Um, and it was
4: 1-1 after 50 minutes. What's your thought on that play? Yeah, it was completely flat footed. Uh, if you want to go back and listen to what I said in the previous podcast, uh, it's like around a 36 minute mark. I talk about my prediction for this match, and I literally say Newcastle are going to give up a goal to an individual defensive mistake. Like I, it, it, verbatim, I say we we're going to win two one, and that goal we give up is due to an individual defensive mistake. And Jamal Lewis was like, I don't know what the hell he was doing. He was flat footed, like definitely. It was very similar to like when we were like, why is Miguel Amro dribbling like the ball in his own hat? Like just clear the ball. It was the same kind of moment. We we're like, dude step up and just clear the ball. Like you're a left, you're full back. The cross is coming in the box. It's your area. Just do whatever you can to get the ball out of like your area. Um, yeah. but yeah, so, uh, uh, I don't know. Uh, it, uh,
3: yeah. So, so another 20 minutes passed and we get into the Shelby and just getting boss in the midfield conversation. Sean Longstaff was not looking great. Shelby was not looking good at all. And, uh, Bruce started making a sub, and the first sub he made, it worked. Uh, He subbed on Dwight Gale for Jamal Lewis, and instantly you could see there was was something different in the team. Uh, I know a lot of people are are pointing to – Jolenton had a bad second half. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. But uh, they are pointing to the time where Gale just, like, beat him on a header. (laughs) Like, Jolenton could have easily gotten there and put in the effort, but Gale just, like, ran right around him and got to the ball or tried to get to the ball um and at that it was at that point where i was like okay get like we need to get gail the ball he's like tr- he's going for it he's going to prove it so uh that eventually happened but we needed another love another brilliant sub from steve bruce in the 80th minute and that was taken off Emil croft for jacob murphy and it only took two minutes from there because our man jacob proving again that he should have a place in this team uh he really controlled the ball and he put literally a perfect cross. And before that, during this match, I said, if your life depended on one Newcastle player to make a halfway decent cross and, and, if, and if they succeed, you live. And if they don't, you die. What Newcastle player would you pick? And what are your last words? That was my tweet. Uh, Jacob Murphy proved me wrong because this was a perfect cross. Uh, it was it, it, it like went right in between two defenders and Dwight Gale just perfect run right to it and it fire header like p- a lot of pace on it. There nobody's nobody's like not many goalies are saving that ball. Uh, it's top corner. It went off the bar two to one Newcastle that ended up being it. That was in the 82nd minute. Dwight Gale is pretty good right now.
1: Shelby's got Richie wide left and Murphy who gets it on the right. Bends across, in great ball, oh what a goal, what a goal from Newcastle, it's Dwight Gale with the header from a fantastic ball in by Jacob Murphy and they have retaken the lead with eight minutes to go, a really really terrific goal from Newcastle, Murphy on the right whipping it in, Gale with the header, Against the bar, maybe against a bit of the post as well. Newcastle United 2, West Bromwich Albion 1. Oh, what a ball. It was an unbelievable ball. And he's got a run on Ivanovic. Who else? Great ball. I mean, there's so much pace and bend on it. Just needs to get something on it and it flies in. Johnson's got no chance, as I say, just got to march on Ivanovic again.
3: Um, In his last few games, we'll get into that stats. Do you have any thoughts on
4: this play? I honestly I have just quick thoughts on the, the substitutions as a whole. I, I was one shocked. Steve Bruce made the substitution fairly early, the first one for Steve Bruce. Standards. Yeah, it was it was pretty early, and it it was the first substitution that was unpredictable but made sense. If that makes sense, like Jamal Lewis, clearly probably up there for one of Newcastle's worst players. Just like straight up. Take him off, move Matt Ritchie back to the fullback. Again, like, not a, and like not a move I was expecting, uh, but it's not like you can sub Jamal Lewis off for another attacking fullback. It's like he's one of our most pro- progressive fullbacks. So it's like, yeah, what else are you going to do? Yeah, that makes sense. And then you're like, wait, that actually does make sense. And then it's like, yeah, Joel Linton, move him to left mid. Like, he can, he can play there. Like, it's not a big deal. Dwight Gill up top, like, I thought I was like, wait, this – this substitution makes sense like what what steve bruce like you've you've shocked me here um and then he followed it up with another good substitution where it's like need a bit more offense we're trying to go for the win which is what you want it's something steve bruce has been accused of like not trying to do like he's been accused of like settling for the draw sitting back blah, blah blah and there was times in this match where it felt like newcastle were fine with the 1-0 win mm-hmm. um but then he comes when he brings on like an offensive talent and a guy who like is not a right back, but you just put him at right back because like, you know, he can play it there and you know, he's going to bomb forward and swing in some crosses to not one, not two, but three aerial threats. So it was like, okay, Steve, this is like, this was a good slew of substitutions and it resulted in a goal. And it's like, we don't give Steve Bruce a lot of credit on this podcast and like, we have a lot of reason to do that because like we've seen a lot, we've seen the worst of Steve Bruce, but this was quite possibly one of the best things Steve Bruce has done since coming to Newcastle in terms of like how he managed the end of this game.
3: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, And you know, that's how this all ended. Uh, There was no, after the, this goal from Dwight, there was no uh, real effort from West Brom to win this. Uh, it was even six minutes of, of injury time. Uh, and it was never in doubt like Newcastle were winning this and it's a big win for Newcastle. Um, getting the first, first time winning two in a row this season. Uh, and like Newcastle just, they don't make it easy for themselves. They don't, but, uh, this team was like put together last minute, uh, you know, Steve Bruce didn't know who, like, I mean, he, he didn't have a full training schedule. Like, you'd say, like, oh, they were off for two weeks. Like, yeah, but, like, they weren't doing anything. Like, they weren't preparing. Like, you could only do so much to prepare for a Premier League match when nobody's on the pitch practicing. And then, like, five days before, he still didn't know who was ready. And you have a your starting center back, who ended up man of the match, according to Sky Sports. Like, your starting center back, Isaac Hayden, was, like, in – bedridden for 10 days previous to this match. So it's just like the amount of like resilience that Newcastle showed here is impressive. And you can write your three words and say like, Oh, another win we didn't deserve. Like that's a hell of a performance. That's a, that's at an at like a constantly practicing West Brom at full strength against a team that like, we didn't know who was playing five days ago. Like, like they did yeah. not like Newcastle themselves did not know who was playing five days ago. It's like we were a depleted side, and Steve Bruce tinkered with things that worked, and he got the win. And like you can hate him all you want, but like he deserves some credit here. Um, it would yeah. Like there's bad adjustments made after halftime. You can get on him about that, but like at the end of the day, like you have to be kind of on the side like, hey, like you know, people always say like, you know, you give credit where credit's due. Credit is due in this situation, and Newcastle yeah, got yeah. their second straight win in. Adverse circumstances, regardless of how good or bad West Brom is, uh, a a lot of teams don't get points out of this one. And like we found a way to get three. So uh, credit
4: to see Bruce. Yeah. I mean, and credit to some of the players that stepped up. I mean, we talked about Isaac Hayden, but we're talking about players who are not necessarily the first choice on the team sheet and take advantage of their opportunities. Um, we already talked about Jacob Murphy. Obviously, he, he has done that every single time this season. I think he's maybe had two bad matches. Someone tweeted out, like, like and the people slag Jacob Murphy. I was like, I, I didn't know people were making – like, were <laughs> upset with Jacob Murphy. I felt like he's probably been, like, one of Newcastle – he's in the running for Newcastle, like, player of the season thus far, you could even go on and say. yeah. Um, but, I mean, Matt Ritchie is a guy who has kind of – fallen out of the picture in terms of first team appearances at right mid at left, mid at left back. And he came in and he worked his butt off and played multiple positions. Um, We already know about Emil Kraft. And and of course he's not really like he he's kind of in and out of the team, et cetera, et cetera. Kieran Clark, people forget like Kieran Clark just started making appearances in the Newcastle first team three weeks ago. Like these are players who we have not called their number. Uh, for months, uh, and and they've de- they stepped up, and obviously, of course, Isaac Hayden, the big one, playing wow. at center back as a central midfielder uh, for the second time in his career. Well, I guess it, even more than that, he's played as a center back in a back three before. It's insane. Um, but yeah, shout out to everyone. Also, shout out to DeAndre Edlin, who uh, was the final sub. Yeah, on for Miguel Amarone and how did I miss that? Come on, Greg. <laughs> another good sub, but Steve Bruce. It's like. Yeah, we need this. We got ten minutes left. Let's bring on a defender. Like, you're like, what? Steve Bruce making good subs. That's crazy.
3: Hey, uh, one funny thing: Isaac Hayden's WhatsApp message to his friends. Uh, Eleven days doing nothing. Three days training, play, win. Easy enough. Mm-hmm. Hey. <laughs> so shout out to to, yeah. to Isaac Hayden. He's the man. Uh, let's uh, let's take a break. And then we'll get into stats, quotes, all those other things. We'll do that right after
0: this. For Newcastle fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. Never miss a thing with the latest Newcastle news, gossip and social stories as they break. Download the free Toon Army app now from the App Store and Google Play.
3: All right, let's get to our favourite segment. What Steve Bruce said. He said, "Um, I couldn't be more pleased with the problems we've had and the work they've done at home or parks or whatever. I couldn't speak highly enough of them. Their effort and endeavor was spot on. I didn't want to make excuses. He said it again. I didn't want to make excuses, but I was expecting it, especially from those who have had the virus. It was about watching them that had it. You are mindful of that, of course. Fair play to them, and thankfully they are okay, but I couldn't have wished for a better start. I can't give enough credit to the players and the staff who have worked tirelessly behind the scenes over the last couple of weeks. And certainly the medical department whose decision to shut us down was spot on. We had three players who played today who had the virus, but it is about the after effects and the way they recover. We still got two to three weeks who are, uh, we've still got, sorry, that was my fault. Uh, We've still got two or three who are poorly with it now. So I'm delighted for everyone concerned because it's been really challenging 10 days or so. We've just got to try to find that consistency because the Premier League is so demanding. We've got a good couple of wins and a huge month coming up and we could do it with a fully fit squad. So let's just brush it down and not try to get too carried away. But I couldn't be more pleased. Uh, So let let in some interesting stuff there because uh, he mentioned like two or three players still have it bad uh, and are isolating. So no word on who that may be, but like all the best and hope they recover. Uh, he said mm-hmm. on Isaac Hayden. He said, "I didn't think I would have him until last Monday. So for him to get out of bed and produce a performance like that was great to see. Isaac was in bed for ten days, and inevitably, the three I was checking were the three who had the virus. Uh, you could, you you can be negative, but the fatigue is key, and the magnitude and the way it has ripped through everybody was frightening. I said to him on Wednesday." Now my old chief scout, Stan Turnant watched him as a kid at Arsenal, and he said, he's an outstanding center half, and it stayed with me. One of the reasons I took him to Hall was the insistence of Stan. I played him in the midfield. He was only a boy, but I remembered that this week, and to be honest, we didn't have that many options, although he was one of the poorly ones. Um, so, yeah, that's just some Steve Bruce, uh, facts.
4: He had an <laughs> <a laughs> own friend
3: was so good center half. So it's like, oh yeah the,
4: the three uh, players that played that had that previously had the virus because I'm guessing one is obviously Isaac Hayden. and then I'm guessing maybe like maybe uh, Emil Kraft I feel like did he make it I don't think he was on the bench. No they
3: said one of the players got it on inter- international duty.
4: Hmm. So it could have been Emil Kraft. But he played, he was on the he was on the bench for Chelsea, but he wasn't on the bench for uh,
3: Crystal yeah. Palace. So, so I think
4: him. Or maybe Jamal. Uh, may, did, LaSalle's hmm, could not, be, yeah. I mean, yeah, there's. I'm, I'm not, I'm saying like Jamal. I'm thinking of international break. Hendrick. I, mean, I guess Emil Kraft makes this. Oh, Hendrick. But Hendrick didn't play this match.
3: Hmm.
4: I don't know. I'm, I'm, that's the third, yeah. I'm pretty sure it was Hayden and Kraft, but I'm trying to figure out who the third player is. Yeah. Like maybe Miguel? Oh wait, well, it
3: could it it's probably uh um Elliot
4: Anderson. Well no, who it's he said there's three players oh, oh, yeah, yeah, who yeah, yeah, played yeah. in this match. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. who who had it. Yeah. So I'm just that's who I'm trying to we figure out. We had three out. players
3: who who played today who had the virus, yeah. Uh yeah, I'm not sure. Could have been Carl Dalla.
4: Oh, but you said internet uh Mm. Yeah, if, if it's Emile Kraft,
3: then it could be Darlo.
4: Yeah. I, I think it's Emile Kraft and, and Hayden. I don't think it's Darlo because, like, again, like that person would have had to, like, I don't know. Yeah.
1: They
4: they wouldn't have they would have played. That's the thing. But it's not important. Yeah, It's whatever. I'm sure the Tell-All book will come out in two years and we'll finally know who got it and who didn't. Yeah. Some stats.
3: Uh, I have the top five quickest goals in Newcastle Premier League history. Fifth place is Alan Shearer against Charlton Athletic at 57 seconds. Fourth place is David Genola at 56 seconds, home against Arsenal in 1996. Uh, third place is Dwight Gale against Liverpool in July of 2020. Um, Second place is Miguel Almiron, uh, which has happened. And first place is January of 2003, home to Manchester City. And it was Alan Shearer in 10 seconds, which blows the record out, doubles it. Uh, But fun fact, all all of those five goals were scored at home. So, cool. Uh, Miguel Almiron scored his first Premier League goal of the season uh, and his fifth premier league goal in general um he has double figures in all comps for goals for newcastle um, and it was the also a milestone goal for newcastle it was the 1300th goal newcastle scored in the premier League. came in 969 games so congrats that's good <laughs> Yeah, uh, Dwight Gale also got off the mark. He has 34 goals for Newcastle. Today was his 11th Premier League goal, which moved him ahead of Leon Best, Paul Kitson, and Alexander Mitrovic uh, in goals for Newcastle. He is now level with uh, Robbie Elliott, Keith Gillespie, Johan Gufran, Solomon Rondon, Moussa Sissoko, Steve Watson, and Jeannie Wijnaldum for most goals in Newcastle history uh he scored within 13 minutes of coming on uh but his last time coming on as a substitute uh he was a little bit better he did it in 94 seconds so 13 minutes Uh -uh. 94 seconds so he's got to speed that up a little bit if he wants to get stuff on again uh but another interesting fact about Dwight Gale you ready for this Mm
2: -hmm.
3: including this match uh yeah, in his last nine appearances for Newcastle United, dating back. So, since since the restart, he's appeared for Newcastle nine times. He has five goals and an assist in those nine games. Yeah, say his name.
4: Five goals tough, and an assist man.
3: in nine matches.
4: Steve Bruce has an actual legit problem on his hand because Joel Linton's got <sighs> – A goal and two assists and two matches which is something that i don't think anyone ever thought they would say (laughs) like if you saw him play last season and you've got dwight gale who it seems like he has a good appearance especially as of recent anytime he's on the pitch and of course calum wilson is killing it and so it's it's a nice problem to have if you're steve Mm -hmm. bruce (laughs) uh definitely okay uh do you have any stats before
3: i move on to more
4: stats (laughs) Uh, no, you said the one I had, which was this was tenth, tenth goal for McGowan run for the club. So shout out to him.
3: Yeah. Uh, also, this was the first Premier League team appearance for Dan, Dan Langley. So he's the 42nd player uh, to have been named to the bench without getting any play time, uh, but on their uh, for their first appearance. So uh, it doesn't mean much, but it's mostly goalies that have been in that situation. You include Freddie Woodman, um, Ole Soderbergh, Fraser Forster, Mark Gillespie. So uh, it's mainly goalies that come out to that list. And for expected stats, Newcastle with 0.9 expected goals, 0.57 for West Brom. So it's really thinking more of a draw here. Uh, with But Newcastle getting the advantage, obviously, like a pretty big advantage. Um, Elijah, who had the highest expected goals? uh with 0. 0.53 over 0. 0.90 Thank you
4: no is it alron
3: yeah that one is pretty expected you should score that right
4: yeah, I was uh, the Dwight Gale one was also it was a header, so uh, yeah, that was the only thing that made. But I was thinking in my head, it's like it's either, it's one of those. Two, I mean, they're goals, so yeah, it's, yeah, it's usually going to be a goal. <laughs> yep. Uh, unless it's like you have missed four times one v one in the keeper, and it's like, dude, you should have scored at least two of these. Like, yeah,
3: um, and then I mean, it kind of gives it away. But who
4: had the highest expected assists? Oh, I mean, well, I mean. Uh, Joel Linton. Yes, yes, he did.
3: Yeah. Uh, Newcastle had 43% of the chances. They had 12 shots, West Brom 13, but Newcastle seven on target to West Brom's three. Uh, PBDA, uh, not that great for Newcastle. 25.4 passes in our zone without a defensive action compared to 11.5. So West Brom was actually doing well, even though we uh, were controlling... Most of the, or the entire first half, uh, they were at least not letting us absolutely control the match like we did against Palace at times. Uh, expected points pretty even here. So 1.64 for Newcastle, 1.00 for West Brom. So they, they expected it should have been around a draw. So we, we did well and did better than the expected numbers said. So congrats to us. And my last thing is 538. 538 project, projects how the season will end. They have West Brom finishing in the last with 25 points is what they're projecting. Yikes. Um, they have Newcastle finishing in 15th with 44 points. Uh, we have less than a 1% chance to win the Premier League, less than a 1% chance of Champions League, an 11% chance of getting relegated, and a, 10, uh, sorry, a 5% chance still of finishing 10th place or better. So still not – they're still not loving us for the top ten hype, even though we're right there. Uh, but we shall prove them wrong. Elijah, who's your best player?
4: I I think oh Isaac Hayden. So I'll go because I've just been I, Isaac Hayden was was named man of the
3: match, but that that's not our. It doesn't have to be ours if you don't believe that.
4: No, I, I think, I think he, I think he, he does. I just, I would th- want to give a shout out to Joel Linton who didn't have a great second half, but I think he had one of his best halves. Like it's really hard to say like of his Newcastle career, because he also had a goal and assist in a half last week, but overall <laughs> I think like he was just so much more involved Uh, this, this match uh, just, in the, especially in the first half he obviously dropped off in the second half but I kind of attribute that to the whole team like him getting beat to a ball by Dwight Gale I feel like that happens with every other player as well on the pitch maybe not Cal Molson because it feels like or maybe not Miggy, but because those guys seem like they have engines that just don't expire um but it, the team looked gassed, so I, I wouldn't put that on him totally, but I think he deserves credit, especially because expectations are so high for him. And uh, it's nice to see him not live up to those expectations, but at least trend in the right direction. Yeah. Uh, so mine,
3: mine today is so I, I like Isaac Hayden did great. Not taking anything away from that, but to me, it's it's Miguel Almiron. Uh, not only did, and we didn't talk about this much, but not only did he he obviously scored a goal in nineteen. I checked nineteen point eight seconds was the was the official number given. Uh, but he absolutely was was a terror for uh, West Brom. They had no answer for him. Uh, he was he completed one hundred percent of his passes today. Jeez. All in that match, literally did not make an incomplete pass at all. Uh, and he was he was on the ball. I think only like two players, I think had more touches, two or three players probably had more touches than him. So he's very involved. He had the most shots. He had the most shots on target. And he had a goal in 19.8 seconds to me. Like he there was no answer for West Brown. Nobody on the pitch could cover him. And that's what I'm hoping to see more of against sides that we have more talent than. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm gonna give it to him. He was I thought he was tremendous. Uh it's just like a quintessential performance for him. Yeah. Uh, who scored? People that had a seven rating or higher. Uh, Isaac Hayden didn't make the list, but he had a six point nine five, so like pretty much called out a seven. Um, and then we had John Joe Shelby, which I was shocked to see. Um, he had a seven point one nine. Kieran Clark seven point two nine. Jolinton seven point six. Uh, Dwight Gale seven point six three. And then yeah, Miguel Amaran, seven point seven six. So. We won. You got anything else you want to say on this one before we take a break and head to Leeds?
4: Yeah, the only thing I would say is it's two wins in a row without Alan St. Maxman, yeah. which uh, last season, we, we've we talked 20. about this a ton, uh, but Newcastle's points per game, uh, goals scored, every uh, stat related to winning, uh, like when Alan St. Maxman in the team was decent, and then when he was not in the team was just – bad um so uh yeah so that that's always that's reassuring for sure because newcastle were like almost a completely different side well they it wasn't almost they were a completely different side without say maxman in the team last season and they've adjusted quite well uh this season uh with say maxman not in the lineup um and it's it's reassuring to know that like you're not totally reliant on one player and i think it's good for steve bruce to realize that hey I don't need a force feed Alan St. Maximin for us to win the match. Like I can let our players play kind of naturally. Don't tell, don't force the issue and the goals, they will come. They will come.
3: Yeah. Um, all right. Let's, uh, let's take a break and let's go to this leads preview. It's going to be a juicy one. Stay tuned. We will be right back.
0: For Newcastle fans everywhere. This is the ultimate football app for you. For match highlights, interviews, and the best Newcastle videos and podcasts. Download the free Toon Army app now from the App Store and Google Play.
3: Hi, Elijah. Welcome back. Uh, We got 12th in the table Newcastle against 14th in the table Leeds. We have a three-point lead on them. Uh, And we also... Do we have a game in hand?
4: Yes, we do. Yeah. Yeah. with a game in hand. We have a game so. in hand over everyone because we're the only team that hasn't we oh, the only team that's we? had a well I guess whoever we were supposed to play. Aston, Aston Villa? Villa? Yeah. Yeah. Aston Villa. We, we have yeah. So uh,
3: yeah, so everybody's played twelve except for oh no. Man City and Man United have played eleven. That's weird. Wait, Aston Villa's only played ten, we have eleven.
4: I think part of that is probably like stuff it. for yeah. Villa, not Villa, the first city and Manchester United. I don't know, but yeah. it's not important. We play Leeds, Leeds. We know what they bring to the table. Um, they have Biesla uh, and I don't know if I'm saying that right. If you know Biesla and his disciples, it's, <laughs> you know, what you're getting high yeah. pressing uh, free flowing football, very like just a guy who prepares just so well for for teams he has a clear plan on how to address certain teams things like that like you can kind of go and talk ages and ages about him and what he does and his various disciples your tata martinos your gabriel Hineses of the world etc etc he's a damn good manager and it's the exact opposite of what newcastle is playing so it'll be interesting to see how this this works out because there's a large camp of the fan base that would want that wants to play like Leeds. Go for it every match. Regard like if you get, if you lose through one to Chelsea, that's better than losing one nothing to Chelsea. Um, but as it stands, yeah. Newcastle uh, are in a better position than Leeds with the game in hand, having played similar competition, having beat a couple teams in the top six. So it's it's really interesting uh, to see how this turns out. It's 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 the it's the, the Newcastle fan based bowl, if you want to call it something. I don't know.
3: Yeah, you know, and I want to address that right now before we get into injuries. Is like, it's it's so funny to see like, and I don't want to call anybody out, but like, yeah, obviously, like, who does not want to play free flowing attacking football? Uh, but like, I tell you what, two years ago, uh, with Rafa Benitez as manager, I don't think anybody would be having that argument. So like it's like you know, like people are like oh like see Bruce doesn't a- attack enough like uh, like we weren't attacking previously too but we were all loving life weren't we? Uh, yes. it's, it's just like it's hilarious like dude
4: oh, I, I I'll, guarantee I'll you if we
3: were that. if we were at fourteen points right now versus seventeen and like still like threat like a lot, a little bit more threatened in relegation like people are like oh we need to defend better like guarantee it guarantee. That we, the conversation will be around that how our defense sucks and uh, we need to defend way better. So it's I don't think this is a situation where it's like we can't. That we just can never have, it right, have enough.
4: Uh, yeah, but oh, I, I'll yeah, I'll ahead, say one thing on this uh, because uh, Luke Edwards published a piece, uh, which of course brings its own thing. But he yeah. specifically talked about C. Bruce and Cup runs, and he's made two seasons in a row where he's made the quarterfinals, and people are mm-hmm. like, it's not that serious and so I had mentioned something like when Rafa has made a cup quarterfinal, people were excited, and they're like, and this guy basically said, "Yeah, but people don't like attribute Rafa success at Newcastle to reaching a cup quarterfinal." I'm like, "Yeah, um, they attribute his success at Newcastle for, let me think about it, not getting relegated, finishing mid-table, and having a couple upsets over top six teams," and it's like. These are all things Steve Bruce has done. So yeah. at a certain point it's like you have to give him credit because like there was a level especially last season where it was like like this like this feels like the luck's going to run out blah 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 but like there's also a certain point where it's like I can't even criticize Steve Bruce too harshly because you know obviously as someone who is like tactically driven i would want something different but i have to respect those coaches in every sport that like you know tactics are not what you're getting with that coach you're getting a motivator you're getting a guy that's going to make it a good environment for the players etc etc and there's plenty of times where that is the more successful play and right now newcastle it's working so i can't say that much because like there's really not that much to complain about um and if i'm looking at where newcastle was right now versus like where Newcastle was two years ago, it's the it's the same it's the same thing. Like I I, I love Rafinitez. I think he's a better manager than Steve Bruce. I don't think anyone's arguing like that but if you look at his body work at Newcastle, look at his body at Steve Bruce's body work at Newcastle, they're freaking identical. The big thing though is obviously Steve Bruce has had the benefit of a cal Wilson and Alan Z Maxman and Miguel Amro and and I agree that makes a huge difference but like push comes to shove the bodies of work are largely similar.
3: Yeah. Well, and one of the big reasons is there's no similarities between Bruce and Rafa, in my opinion. The big similarity or the big difference is uh Steve Bruce got a hundred million dollars invested into the squad. That's uh true. and whereas if you give a hundred million to Rafa, I I bet we have better results. But the but the fact of the matter is, like you can't every loss is Bruce's fault and every win is the player's. So like you can't can't have it both ways. it's, it's both every time. And there needs to be more accountability on all that. Like, Bruce, like, this is better than all of us thought Bruce was going to do. And that's okay. <laughs> it's okay yeah. that that's happening. <laughs> um, so, people, like, I'm not trying to be Luke Edwards. But, like, yeah, he has a point. Like, he's we're in the quarterfinals of cup final. We're three points from a Europa League spot. We're, what, six points from, what are we, uh, 17, Champions League. Yeah, we're six points from Southampton, the Champions League. And we're eight points from
4: first, with the game in hand. Yeah, mind you, yeah, and the Champions League hand. spot. Yeah. Like it's one of those so things. Newcastle like, win like tomorrow, to and they're, they're like they're what are they? They win tomorrow, and they're three points away from Champions League. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Um, imagine um, if
3: like we just like shit housed our way to Europa League, like, and everyone's gonna be pissed at Bruce for every. Oh, we didn't deserve that win. Oh, okay, <laughs> Like –
4: here we are it's in
3: the like, Europa
4: League. Like, it's like you're looking you know, at, it. we're we're in March. Fans are back in the stadium and they're fucking cheering on a team that's in eighth right now. And it's like, <laughs> and they're in for Europa League. <laughs> I
3: like, wish we played more attacking football. Like
4: what? <laughs> and yeah, like, it's like War Flags odd. is still going to be like we're not coming to the stadium. Like we're going to be in Europe next year with Steve Bruce, and we won't have any displays because War Flags is like I'm not. We're not returning unless Steve Bruce is fired. Um, again, I don't think that'll happen. Well, that, that's
3: that's a Mike Ashley protest, not a protest.
4: Yeah, um, yeah. but uh, but anyway, um, I would uh, the last thing I would I would say just read this whole situation. It's really a question for you, Greg.
0: Um,
4: yeah. Right now, would you rather have Steve Bruce or Mikel Arteta? Because that's something that's going on in Arsenal. They stink. They don't look good, and you've got the exact opposite of Steve Bruce. You've got a tactical mastermind per se, a guy who is a Pep Guardiola disciple, a guy who just is known for over-preparation, a guy who's known for getting the best out of his player, establishing a solid system. He spent the first 10 games when he was at Arsenal just establishing a defensive system before even addressing attacking players. And he's turned a really good team with much better players than Newcastle, uh, and, again, Arsenal as a club have their own issues in terms of buying players. But Aubameyang went from a player who won the Golden Boot or was a Golden Boot contender to a player that's got two goals in 11 games. And that's – I don't think that's an Aubameyang declining thing. That's a – the the system that he's in is clearly not working. But would Steve Bruce be better at Arsenal? Like, would they take Steve Bruce over Mikel Arteta right now? I don't know. Maybe.
3: <laughs> so get, it, get it trending, C versus Arsenal. Um, let, let's get into this the injuries here. Um, on Leeds' side, there's four players that won't be playing, and it's uh, Giantano Berardi, Robin Coach, uh, Diego Lorente, and Adam Forshaw. They are out. Uh, that's
4: names actually pronounced cock.
3: Oh, I was wondering if it is because that's the German K O C H, right? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Um, and then for us, obviously, Paul Dummett and Martin Dubrovka are out, but it is uh, rumors are around that by the end of the month, they'll both be ready. Um, Jamal LaSalle, St. Maximin, and Ryan Fraser obviously all missed. Uh, we still have no idea uh, when they should be returning. And my prediction before you get into lineups, uh, I think we're going to see Jacob Murphy and Dwight Gale start. Just my, just my thought. We have a lot of fixtures coming up, so we have uh, we have Wednesday, Saturday, and Tuesday our next three matches. Tuesday is is the League Cup, um, and then Saturday against Fulham, and then this one against. So we need we need to try to rotate if we can. I think Jacob and Dwight are hot. Play them, play them, and then we can we can put Jolenton and whoever in on Saturday. But uh, especially with COVID happening and and people still affected, we we gotta rotate if we can. So that's my prediction. Elijah, I'd love to hear your
4: take. Yeah, I, I was going to say the same thing. I was thinking that we could get a Dwight gale Calum Wilson with Joel Linton on the wing lineup Ooh, as well. I'd, I'd listen. But like you said, congested fixtures. So I do think that like, I would lean towards almost a like-for-like situation where you maybe said Al Marone, keep Richie in for that defensive solidity, even though you're not really expecting much from him attacking-wise and kind of save Almiron for coming on later, I would be a little bit concerned about, like, just, like, as you said, there was there's there's a certain threat that is associated with Miguel Almiron's pace that is just, like, we don't have that elsewhere in the team, especially if Alan T. is not playing. Um, but the, the hope is that Jacob Murphy is able to, you know, be confident against a team that he's played against before in the championship, a team that – He's known well, all that kind of stuff. So I would, I start him. Dwight Gale, same thing. Played against the Leeds in the championship as well. So, um, sure, why not? Um, and this will be an interesting match for sure. Uh, do you think? Like, w- what do you think Newcastle's going to do? Is there anything they need to do in order to to win this? I don't know.
3: What Newcastle can do?
4: Yeah. Yeah, I I say defend and counter.
3: Like if if they want to play, if Leeds wants to play this free flowing attacking. Uh, high press. Uh, we I, I. think that we like as long as if Miguel's playing uh, with the connection between like. With, well, if they if you play Miguel, uh, Dwight and Callum, that that we would crush them on a counter. Like their their defense is 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 not that great. Um. Like. Mm, I guess their center backs are fine, but like. Liam Cooper and uh, Luke Ailing, they're fine. The, the the so the good player there is Calvin Phillips. I think he's the best player on the team. Uh, he's like a defensive midfielder, so he would be the one. But like between Phillips, Ailing, and Cooper, which is like the two center backs, and Phillips, uh, I don't think they can handle like the three. I think we win every battle between Liam Cooper, uh, Ailing, and Calvin Phillips. They lose to Miguel Almiron, Dwight Gale, and Callum Wilson 10 times out of 10. Uh, and I think that's it. where, where you said, so let, let them have possession, have fun with the ball, play with it, but like watch us on the counter, boy, because uh, we will beat them every time in that. Even if you start Jolinton and Wilson, as long as Almiron is a part of this, I don't think there's, I, I think they're in big trouble because uh, they'll be happy, we'll ha- we're happy to give them possession. Uh, I don't think like Patrick Bamford's fine. He's, he's a good player. He's having a good
4: year. Uh, same. He's, he's, he's good. He's good. Yeah, he's having a really good year. But I, I would say he's their second best player.
3: Yeah, I mean, you, I'm sure many people would disagree with me when I say that Calvin is their best player.
4: And that's fine. Like, I'll take that. But The footy nerd really would do. agree with you. I think the tacticians, like, would agree. If people are just looking at stats, they say Bamford. But if you watch Leeds play, you understand how important he is because he literally sits in front of the defense – and like is that deep line playmaker, a last yeah. line of defense. He does like everything. He's like Conte of Chelsea two years ago. Yeah. Three years ago.
3: Uh Calvin Phillips starts over Shelby and Longstaff. Easily.
4: Yes. Yes. Easily. Ye- yes. Calvin uh, Phillips is a guy that it that like Newcastle if they if they got taken over, that'd be a guy where it's like, throw, throw some money at him. That that'd, that'd yeah. be a good idea. That'd be a good idea. He's like Isaac Hayden, but with the offensive capabilities that people think Shelby has. Yeah. But yeah, um, um, I I also I, I would here's the the two things that concern me about this Leeds match. Um, first and foremost, is just our our back line was fine, not particularly great. Um, like uh, this this past match, I think Isaac Hayden being the best player on a back line is. Is it's good because like sure it's nice that Isaac Hayden is is playing well, but it also is like a bit concerning considering like everyone else in that back line is a proper defender. Like Jamal Lewis is a he's a left back, Emil Craft is a right back, Gary Clark is a center back, and Isaac Hayden was the best player of those those four. And we even got to a point where we had three midfielders in our back line. Uh So yeah. that 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 concerns me. And then the other thing that concerns me is that. Newcastle are this season, especially, and I mean, under Bruce and arguably under Rafa as well, not really good at dealing with the press and leads our team that, that press well, they press effectively. Um, So I could see it being like Southampton where maybe if you look at the whole game and the whole match, like maybe Newcastle don't deserve to lose that match two nil straight up, but it's two mistakes from pressing that led to the two goals, and I could definitely That's see that happening uh, with Leeds. And I, I wouldn't, I would, I would say I have more, and it's not even a, this is definitely not a hot take, but more faith that we beat Fulham than we beat Leeds. But I wouldn't be shocked if Newcastle grind out a one nil lead against Leeds. Like if they let Leeds have the ball and just like try to hit them on the counter, long ball, blah blah. blah. Like I could see Newcastle. Scoring in the eighty-fifth minute, like that, similar to the Crystal Palace match. Like just, I could just see that happening. Like I'm not surprised at all um, yeah. at, at that. Any players? I mean, we kind of talk about players to watch out for for them. I mean, Calvin and Patrick Bamford. i uh, oh, Jack Harrison's another one. Shout out NYCFC, uh, MLS product right there, killing it over in Leeds. Uh, so shout out him. That's, that's uh, right. That's right. We should have mentioned that. And he, yeah, he had,
3: he had their first Premier League goal. Like yeah, Liverpool.
4: Uh has um, also been playing fairly well the past. But Jack's not playing well.
3: anymore, is he? He's not like a starter for them.
4: I Are started he? against uh, West Ham, so. Oh okay. He might start today.
3: Oh, yeah. Uh, what else was I going to say? Oh, the other thing to mention uh, before we get to predictions. One last thing is Leeds is not good at home. Um, they have let's see uh, yeah they have they've have, they haven't won at home in their last five matches now. and Newcastle have lost only once on the road this season. So Newcastle has good away form. Leeds does not have good home form. So very interesting here. Elijah, you got a prediction? Oh uh, one more uh, 538 first. 538 says Leeds has a 47% chance to win, pretty high. A 20, 27% chance of a Newcastle win and a 26% chance of a draw. So they're, they're very in favor of Leeds here. What's your prediction?
4: Yeah, uh, Leeds, I'm going to go 3 1 win for Leeds. I think Newcastle oh. will lose this one. Uh, I just, I, I worry when Newcastle come up against a team that presses well. And um, I think the thing with Biesla is that, like, he's he's such a brilliant mind. And maybe I'm just, like, obsessed with him because I've seen his disciples in action via Atlanta United. And I, fingers crossed, get to see another Biesla disciple at Atlanta United. Watch out, Greg, because Atlanta United, back. Um, but anyway. Uh, champions League, congrats. Yeah. By the way, just quick MLS note. MLS up. Just, Talk they, about falling they, up. <laughs> MLS just decided to choose chaos. Like, just at the weird list, like, oh my gosh. It like, oh geez. It, it was that was something. Uh, and if you're yeah. not an MLS fan, like don't worry about it. But I know there's a lot of salty MLS fans listening to this podcast. And hey, I get it. I, I was shocked at everything as well. Um, but I don't know. I don't. I don't care. MLS and Concacaf is not. It's not anything to really be upset about because it's not like it makes a difference. Mexico team wins every single time. Anyway, uh, so I I just, I just, yeah, just I don't know. I I think the press is going to be something Newcastle struggle with, and I I worry about the back line. Uh, They weren't great against a really bad West Brom team who was missing their best attacking player. So uh, you you uh, there's reason to worry. There's reason yeah. to worry for sure.
3: I, I think that um, yeah, Leeds has enough talent to get a point in this one. I, I think that's what will happen. I don't think I, – I really do believe that uh, Newcastle are better than Leeds. And I think even with a depleted and maybe even rotated squad, I think Newcastle has enough also to get a point. I'm going to go 1-1. Uh, yeah, that just sounds right to me. Good old one-one, uh, a Callum Wilson goal.
4: Yeah, and come from yeah. behind, eighty-fifth minute Callum Wilson goal. That's when he loves point. it. That's when he loves it. <laughs> and people will complain that this draw was boring to watch. Yeah, an Cal undeserved Wilson. Steve Bruce draw. Yeah, and I'll, I'll add, like, I that's something that I was thinking about before we were doing this. Was just like. Steve Bruce's mindset of like and now that I have that uh, that mindset from Steve Bruce that we know he has of like if I put the better lineup out I will win it's like you look down the Leeds roster and it's like Newcastle are a deeper team than Leeds, like on paper in every metric like the big difference is the manager and so that's that also gives me a little bit like huh maybe Newcastle could sweep out a draw here when it's like just knowing like premier league's different from championship. We know this and leads, like I wouldn't say they've overperformed, but they didn't do a ton to strengthen. And like, they very much are doing well, similar to Newcastle of Rafa Benitez era. They're doing really well because they have a really good manager. Like that is more so the reason than anything else. They have a couple of good players that would be starters on other teams. Uh, like Bamford would probably start on a lot of lower, like, you know, 10th and below teams right now. Uh, and F- Phillips, as we've mentioned, again, great midfielder, great prospect, et cetera, et cetera. But outside of that, it's not super impressive. And yeah, maybe yeah. Rafinha, he's, he's solid, but nothing crazy. So, yeah, uh, I could see a draw. That's not out of the question. Yeah. All right, you got anything else? No. All right, we're, we're
3: going to join you again on later this week, either Thursday or Friday. Um, with a recap of this match, uh, some news and a preview for Fulham. Uh, You're going to hear from us a lot because right after the Fulham match on Saturday, we have a match against Brentford on Tuesday. So, And then a match that weekend. So we're in the congested part of the fixtures. We'll get uh, you updates as fast as we can. Thank you for listening as always. And that concludes our episode, our Leeds preview, and our West Brom review. Uh, thank you for listening. I'm your host, Greg Troxell. That's the best stand, co-host, in the land, Elijah Newsom. The best song in the world coming home to Newcastle. Castle. And uh, let's get three points on Wednesday. Let's do it. See you next time, and wait the last. Love you guys. streets
2: for brown if you never win the club again I'll brave the dark at St James's Park If the galley gets into the rain I'm coming home And I'm proud to be a Jody And to live in Geordie land Some people think we're 40 And we're hard to understand And they say it's just self-pity and we're not so very tough Cos the people in the big fat city Haven't had it half as rough I'm coming home, Newcastle You can keep your London wine i would walk the streets all the I'll meet for a bottle of the River Tyne I'm coming home, Newcastle I wish I'd never been away i would kiss the ground for the welcome sound In me mother saying, hey, how are I'm coming home The old blind busker who stands at Fenwick's door. He plays a mean accordion. You've all seen him there before. And I love the Jody heroes. There's so many famous names. Like Linda Swann and Gaza, Brendan Foster and the Gates at Games. I'm coming home, Newcastle. I might as well have been in jail. I'd walk the streets all day, I'll need for a bottle of your own brown ale I'm coming home, Newcastle, if you never win the cup again I'll brave the dog at St James's Park, at the gallagher end in the rain I'm coming home, Newcastle, you can keep your London wine I'd walk the streets all day, I'll need for a bottle of the River Tyne I'm coming home, Newcastle, I wish I'd never been away I'd kiss the ground for the welcome sound In me mother saying, hey, anyhow I'm coming home, Newcastle I might as well have been in jail I'd walk the streets all day I'll need for a bottle of your own brown ale I'm coming home, Newcastle If you never win the cup again I'll brave the dog it's in James's Park At the Gallagher's end in the rain I'm coming home